0: All right, hello once again. I got to tell you, and you sit back and do your work and your research, and Tom and I lived it with these guys, this was one heck of a football team right here. In the final analysis, you're going to realize just how good this football team was with a lot of great players. One of the most uh, memorable seasons, obviously, in Bears history in recent vintage. And it st- started with that shutout win at Lambeau to start the season. A rookie by the name of Devin Hester came through in that game. I mean, there's your rookie year first game, Devin, coming into the, the stadium at Lambeau, with Lovey Smith and the crew getting ready for her. After a playoff season in 2005, a lot of good things happened. Rex going deep. Couple of big catches, Musim Muhammad, Bernard Berrian. A lot of good stuff happened in Lambeau. So I started out, Roberto Garza, did that game set the tone for the season? No question about it, when you step on the field against
1: the Green Bay Packers and and set a tempo like Devin did and with that offensive line and obviously that great defense, man, that that sets the bar pretty high and go out there and try to win football games from the beginning of the the season. uh, And we were able to do that all year. Devin,
0: first game, really? You're taking it to the house i mean that was something that that put you on the map right away the team started changing the way they looked at you then as a return man
2: i would say so you know um coming into from college you know and the things i did at the return game you know um they pretty much said it was impossible so my mentality was to come in to the lead and, make yeah, and statement. hold the mic closer. Coming to hold come mic closer. Into the lead, the first my first game and make a statement and say, hey, this is a guy that did all those returns in college. I want to do the same thing once once I got to the NFL and uh, I knew the only way to do that was to set it off the first play of the game, the first game. Hey, all on the, the walk down that ramp uh, when you go to that Lambeau
3: Field at the start of the open the the first game of an NFL season. How nerve wracking! How special is that feeling to start that whole trip?
4: Well, especially at Green Bay with your rival. Uh, you want to go out there, put on a show. And we, we had a special feeling going into that season, right? We, we knew we were going to be pretty good. And we wanted to prove that to everybody. And I think the score was 26-0 or, or, or something like that. And, and we put it on them. And a lot of it was how good that defense was, our run game. And then this guy was electric. So it was so fun to be a part of that team and to go out there, put it on Green Bay like that. Uh, we made a statement early that, that we knew we were going to be pretty good. Patrick, same theme.
5: Same theme. You know, like Olin, I'm going to uh, piggyback on what Olin said. 2005, we were pretty good, but we were young. And we knew we had talent coming up. And we knew everybody was getting a year older and getting a year better. And going through that training camp, like you said, we were pretty confident we were going to be pretty good. We felt like we could be pretty good. And to go into that game and do what we did, I think we proved it to ourselves. And that started that run of, what, seven wins in a row. And
0: that's that's what
5: started it right there.
0: Charles Lovey's defense and everybody in it uh, thrived, you guys. Like today's Bears of 2018, number one in the league in takeaways, number one in three and outs, uh, number four in scoring defense, 34 interceptions, defensive touchdowns galore, nine defensive pro bowlers from that era of Bears football. What made that defense so unique and special?
6: I think it was just the mindset that Coach Smith uh, set for us. Like Coach Nagy says, he has a good culture. I think Coach Smith set, a, he set the tone. He had a really good culture for us. Um, Hall of Fame, Brian Urlacher, what a great leader. And you know, when you're in that huddle and you make a mistake, Brian has no problem cursing you out. And I don't like to get cursed out, so I just try to do my job. Dude,
3: after you, you have a fast start does the pressure build for that season you know because I don't know if, was lovey a guy that put pressure on you or did you guys put pressure on yourself I know because I, I always hear you guys talk about how close that locker room was so was it putting pressure on yourselves or was it something that just came with the, the season
6: it was a little bit of both. I think coach Smith was a, he was a defensive head coach so he expected the defense to do more. I remember one game, he goes, Hey, defense, if we don't score, we don't win. If we don't score defensive touchdowns, we're not winning this game. So, y'all need to, we need to score, you know, we need to score some points. Were the offensive players in that room? There were not. It was a defensive meeting. It was a defensive meeting, but that's just kind of, that was the guy I love. He was, he was defense wins games, you know. I, I, he was old school, you know, there's that saying, offense sells tickets, defense wins games, but that, that's just kind of the, that's just well, kind well, that's of. That's where ho- all the
4: money was,
6: Tom. I mean, all the salary
4: cap was on the defense side of the ball. They better score.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: hey, Roberto and, and and Olin, you know, it became
0: almost uh, a media mock that Lovey would say, hey, we get off the bus running the ball. But was that a message to you guys that, it's on your shoulders, and did you embrace that? Did you love when he said that?
1: No question about it. You know, obviously Harry Heaston was our coach who's not here, um, and we have Thomas Jones, Ruben Brown, Fred Miller, John Tate. I mean, mm. look at the offensive line. All we wanted to do was double team people, and that was the mindset from Ron Turner, Smash, from uh, Coach Lovey. You know, we had that defense to so go out there and move the, the football, uh, double team people, move them off the line of scrimmage, and let John Thomas Jones go out and do what he does. Um, obviously, when you run the football, you control the game. Now the defense is fresh. We have uh, more first downs and uh, able to keep the ball away from the other team and then keep those guys fresh. And I guess anybody, they're going to create turnovers and get to the quarterback. So when you, they tell you, hey, running the football, that's what we wanted to do anyway.
4: Yeah, you know, Jeff, we just had all the components, right? So we did have a good offensive line, Reuben Brown, and, and like just said. But... We also had Dez Clark and then Moose Muhammad who would control the middle of the field. Bernard Barron would take the top off of any defense, right? So uh, as soon as the guys started crowding us, uh, we had a guy who could go deep. And, you know, late in that playoff run, Bernard Barron had a lot of big games there. And he was, you know, whenever they would come down and with Cedric Benson and Thomas running the ball and and, uh, Rex would hit Bernard, and that would give us more room to run the ball. So we had all the components that year to be a strong running team.
3: You know, Patrick— you, you probably you knew special teams as well as anybody when you got to play alongside a guy like Devin Hester when you guys were sitting in the meetings and devising a scheme for Devin did you understand the greatness that you were witnessing and to be a part of and developing
5: yeah there's no doubt about it and you know having Dave Tobe be our special teams coordinator knowing that we had a special talent he was able to cultivate that room to understand that hey we got to make the most of this and guys loved blocking for Devin The funny thing is, Tom, that guys were begging to get on the punt return team. Peanut, you were on the punt return team. You know, guys wanted to be on the kickoff return team. They wanted to be out there when he had the ball, and we understood that we got the special one, you know, and guys were fighting to get out there, and, you know, you were part of it too, starting cornerback wanting to be on the punt return team.
6: Yeah. I mean, I don't think I was – I don't think I knew I was witnessing greatness because I was always blocking for him just running down the field. And in a lot of the, I guess, touchdowns you have, I don't even celebrate with you because I'm so damn tired. I'm trying to catch my breath. You like rolling the one you rolled like eight, nine times. I was like, yeah, okay. I'm tired. I got to go back out to no defense. Devin,
3: you know, in in all returns, there's an obvious point of attack that you try to pay attention to, and they try to develop for you. But I asked you last night, how how far of recognition did you say, Okay, I'm gone? even when you saw the blocks unfold in front of you, or you saw that one crease that you needed?
2: As a returner, it was always like the first 10 yards. and my mentality, if I can get the first 10 yards and get a, head of, a full head of steam running, this is what, that's where all the, the, the grind and the grit is, the first 10 yards of return. And if I can break free through there, the, the rest of the work is easy. You know. So I, I was built around with Coach David with a, a great group of guys. And, like these guys say, man, and, and, and special team mean, Coach Day was a genius when it came to returns. He spent day out and, and day in and day out to prepare my um, opponents instead of them. And so when I got to the meetings on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, he pretty much broke down every single thing from the long snapper to the direction of the punter, And it made it so much easier for me.
5: Tom, um, what made it so special too was a funny story is that when the defense would come off the field, you could see it during the special teams sideline copy. They wouldn't go and get the sideline adjustments. They would turn around and wait for the punt, and you could hear Bob Babbage, the linebacker coach, or whoever, yelling, "Get over here! We got to get God these adjustments." Dang it. What are you it. guys? We got to get And they're like, they're like "Nope, we're staying right here. We got to watch this." And then all of a sudden, they, you know, and then they go back and get the adjustments. But that's how uh, that, special that it was. is. One
3: of the greatest compliments of people you pay attention to on the field. Well, maybe you should be sitting on the bench, but. If you're playing against the Barry Sanders or something, you always wanted to watch him. And I think Devin contributed that type of greatness to the Chicago Bears that if he he was going to return a kick, going to return a punt, you're not going to the concession stand. You're not going to the bathroom. You're waiting to see what Devin does. And then you take your time.
2: And like I say, I got to give a lot of credit to our defense because our defense put us in so much good field position to be able to call a return. You know, and we had offenses pinned back to their 10, 15-yard line. So when it was time to punt the ball, you didn't have no choice but to kick it. You know, we didn't allow, you know, a lot of offenses to cross that 50-yard line. So that for as a returner, it was like the green light for me. Back to the O-line for a minute.
0: I know we got a couple photos about you guys. You did everything together.
4: How critical was that? Well, when you play offensive line, the, the line is usually better than the sum of its parts, right? So you, you got to like you got to be working as one unit. Everybody's got to see everything through Harry Heastan always said through one set of eyes. So we all got to see everything the same way and, and so that's why we would eat eat. We'd eat breakfast together eat lunch together hang out walk to the meeting room together and just kind of build that culture of always, always seeing everything together, always doing everything together. That way we were always on the same page.
3: But you know what, being an outsider looking in, I admired that so much because I used to, we sit on the bus waiting to travel and then you see the offensive line filter out and everybody waiting for each other. Kind of reconnecting in between each snap. You know, Roberto, you guys all you meant so much to each other but it, it spills on because then it's the same challenge you bring into to the practice field if one guy's going to show up we all better show up and i think it's important to show that aspect of the offense
1: no question because we have to work together as a unit and that chemistry is built day in and day out and the expectation that the line set together you weren't you didn't want to be the guy that didn't do it right so when we walked in together, it was we're doing everything together. We we're making all the right adjustments, everything that Olin is telling us to do. Okay, on this play, we got to do this. Okay, so let's do it together. And that doesn't come just on the football field. It starts in the locker room. It starts walking in the plane together, walking to practice together. You know, everything that we did helped us be better football players because we built that friendship but also that expectation that this is the way it's going to be done and you have to do it at this level day in and day out. And that tempo and that culture was set by Olin, by Ruben Brown, by Harry Heistand, by the guys that been around and been doing it year in and year out. When you step on that football field, you know I was the youngest guy there, and I was like, "Man, I got to keep up with these guys, you know, and I, I got to do my job to the best of my ability." And that was set by spending all that time together because you wanted to go out on the football field and perform for your teammates.
5: Gar, one story I love telling about you guys and what you're talking about. You know how you guys are always together that. If any of them, of any of that offensive line route was going to be late to a meeting, nobody would go in. So everybody was late. It was amazing.
4: did not find everybody,
5: right? <laughs> yeah. <It was> <laughs> exactly. Were they were going to find brilliant. the whole team. So we <laughs> would wait, wait, wait <laughs> on everybody.
0: Wait, who came up with that idea?
4: I'm guessing him. <laughs> <laughs> was there was there anybody that was ever late? There were a few guys we had to go get out of their house a couple times after a late night. We had to go get them. So. So we get there on time, but I don't want to say any names and put them out there. But we had a few guys who were, you know, repeat offenders. We had to always go get them. We were looking out for them. Hey, Olin, what did you appreciate about this man in the weight room? Oh. Garza in the weight room? Well, well, Garza in the weight room, you know, he's legendary now at Hallis Hall. And that's just the truth. That's how strong this man is. But that's just who he is. Like What I appreciate about him was is. He's the same guy every day. He works hard in the weight room. He works hard in the meeting room. He shows up every day. He's ready to compete. And like like I know, like if I walk into a weight room with Garza, uh, you better be ready to get it on because he – but he does everything like that, and that's what you appreciate about him. Hey, Charles, I, I think I read where you went
3: to 11 different schools as a youth, but you played 12 years for the Bears. Which one shaped who you are today more?
6: I think the 11 different schools, just being in different – Environments, different situations, moving all over the world, living overseas, living in Europe. um, As a young kid, it allowed me to get out of my shell—no pun intended—but it is it's uh, it it allowed me to get out of my shell and really um, open up, talk to people, ask questions. You know, just be a little bit more open, asking questions and stuff. Uh, Devin,
3: so your freshman year, your return a kickoff, opening kickoff against Florida for a touchdown. You return the opening kickoff in the Super Bowl for a touchdown. Those, <laughs> that that's, that is super impressive. Like, which one did did one shape you more than the other? Did you, like you learn that you had the ability that early in life, and then tr- that transferred all the way up into the NFL level? I, th-
2: I think it pretty much started um, in my youth days playing just backyard football. Um, we would play, um, we, didn't, we We couldn't punt anything like Brad, no, so we would, we would call it throw off. And so um, we would throw the ball off and we played two-hand touch. And it was like, every time I got back there, I would run it back on two-hand touch. So I think from that point on it, I grew a, a passion and a love for that, the return game. And it just really just excelled the older I got.
0: All I know is all these years after that, every single time I go to the scouting combine and you say you're with the Bears, where were you when, when Devin returned the opening? That's how significant of a play never happened before since the opening kickoff. For me calling the game, I never even anticipated. It was bad on me. Made that one cut, and I started thinking, oh boy. Well, how am I going to capture this moment at the Super Bowl? But wow, was that not the mo- one of the biggest memories in our lives? But in order to get there, in order to get there, Bears go in undefeated to Arizona. Things didn't go that well. Matt Leinert started that game and it was having a field day for a time. And then we go to halftime. Come on, We'll come back and
1: whoop their don't a yell. That's
4: real. Don't shake it. We got we'll play the day. most physical half you've ever played and we will win this game. Yes. If you hit somebody in the mouth, and that starts with kickoff. That's they hit us in the mouth, kickoff return, they hit us in the mouth, kickoff. They hit me in the mouth, and I didn't do nothing about it. This half is going to change. Okay, no yelling. It's physical though. We're going to get physical, we're going to get ugly right now. So don't get no personal fouls, but in between the whistle, get ugly. Hey, we will win this game, I promise you. Yes. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. World champs, on. World champs. World champs. World champs on three. One, two, three. Up, <laughs> I, like right. to tell, I like to tell everybody, Jeff, only the defense was listening when I was talking. <laughs> 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 the offense wasn't listening to me. But it, I mean, what a performance. That, that game, we remember standing on the sideline, and as an offensive lineman, you guys are talking about Hess. And this is honest, and guards will tell you this. With the offensive line, we'd stand there about where he would catch the ball. To, we got to witness him because on kickoff return we're standing close to him and on punt we're watching him And if he caught the ball in the middle of the field, honestly, I'd walk to the bench because he was gone You like, would see it ball, on the special teams because, film It was I I'd walk away. <laughs> I'd, I'd walk away and be like field goal like, it's an extra point like it, it was over but uh, that game was it, it was amazing and we as an offense witnessed it right because we weren't doing much and you know, it was Mike Brown taking the ball back. It was uh, Erlacher pulling it out through his 22 tackles and Peanut. And and and, he- and, then, and then we're on the field, and, we- and I look at Ruben Brown, and I'm like, is Hess going to take this back? <laughs> like, that's insane if he takes it. Sure enough, and we're just laughing on the sideline. This is insane, man. And it, and it was, you know, it, it, was, it was an amazing game to be a part of. Olin, did you uh, – so first of all, it does give you a little goosebump.
0: How could it not, right? Did that move you right there
4: <laughs> to see yourself in the end result all these years later? It's just fun to see uh, being in a room with these guys, you know, like be back here and, and just, you know, I'm thinking, what the hell am I talking about? But <laughs> <laughs> no, it, pretty, yeah, it, it was cool, It was, but that was like, that was just a special team like that's really what everybody believed like we just we never thought we were going to lose a game we never thought they could beat us you know we had a a, a couple key injuries that everybody knows about who were really key players for us but when we were our full 53 when that full 53 squad was there Jeff we felt like we were unbeatable like we literally felt like that and that's you know and then like we didn't even know what we had in this guy and when he showed up and on a, as an offense, we're getting the ball on the other side of the 50 every time because nobody wanted to kick to him anymore, right? So they just squib it, and we we get good field position every play. Yeah,
0: affected all three phases, every every blade of grass on the field because of Devin and your defense taking the ball away and setting you guys up, Tom. Well, I just, you know, it's neat to see
3: because uh, you don't really get inside a locker room to see people address our team, <clears throat> and we are always lucky enough to be dressed by Walter Payton and. Everybody understood the message that he was trying to say. When I was reading about you, 182 starts for the Bears, second only to the great Walter Payton. That's pretty amazing to have your name in the same sentence as Walter Payton after what he's accomplished and what you are. And then still the message you get to
4: deliver to your teammates—it's got to be important to you. Well, being a being a Chicago Bear uh, obviously means the world to me. Um, obviously, when your name is mentioned with Walter Payton, I mean we. You know, you play for the Bears, Tom. Jeff's been part of the organization for years. The Chicago Bears organization is a charter franchise. It's just different, right? It's just a it's a different place. It's a different history. It's what the NFL really is about. So to be a part, to love football, be a part of this organization, and then, like they say, Walter Payton, and then they say your name, and, you know, half the nation say, well, who the hell is that? But that's okay. You know, like, you're still... <laughs> You're still still after. You're you're still get mentioned, right? So uh, that's pretty cool, really. You know, Patrick, a
3: lot of numbers we've been spewing up here, I think I was reading about you, 2,282 snaps without a botch. That's pretty impressive because when you talk about long snappers over the history of the NFL, there are guys even... Right, but only, you know in what,
5: Chica- only in Chicago does a long snapper get love like right, this. So this no, city's amazing. We're <laughs> up
3: here a couple of segments ago, and Dick Buckus is talking about how he snapped extra points and field goals in, during his career. But then you kind of turned it into a, a perfected a, a technology, a science. Yeah. And I think it, you, know, you had the same obligations to what your job was and the kickers and punters that you developed throughout your career. Well, Tom, I kind
5: of got lucky in 1998 when I got drafted that – the NFL was transitioning to the long snapper being one of the 53 positions or one of the 53 roster spots. So I came in as an offensive lineman, had great, uh, you know, I wanted to play O line, but it's not going to happen when you line up next to these guys. But I had the skill of long snapping, and fortunately, that became a job in the NFL when it did, and I just took a lot of pride in it. Thank my mom and dad for the natural ability and just follow these guys work ethic and it it turned into a a long career here
4: you know you think about that team we're talking about how good they were right and the thing that doesn't get mentioned is like pat won't say it but most of us on his teammates know he's the best long snapper ever to play the game we know that okay and then you got then you got robbie gold right robbie gold i mean you can argue he's the best kicker in bears history he was on that team brad maynard who was the ultimate professional, he was a punter, right? You got a guy who created the peanut punch. I mean, everybody does that, They changed the whole game. Like, that's the kind of guys that were on that team, and it was amazing. And, and
0: oh, by the way, patrolling the middle of the defense, number 54, Brian Erlacher. Also, I mean, we can go on and on, but, th- but that's right, you know, the, the, the peanut punch has become significant, they're teaching it everywhere. Here we go. It still amazes me to this day. In one game, you had, you knocked out what, four?
6: Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, four. Uh, what was that, Tennessee?
0: How do you, I mean, how does this happen? How does this happen?
6: They don't hold on to the football <laughs> <laughs> That's how it happened. They don't hold on to it. They don't, I just, I don't know, man. I just, Gilbert used to always say, this football is worth millions. Go get it. Go bring it back. So I just yeah, I'm going to go get it. Gil Bird was, it was one of the best coaches. Pretty easy.
3: <laughs> hey Charles, if if we took those fumbles and we took a still shot before it happened, could you explain to us like what you were
6: thinking or was it completely ad-libbed when
3: you approached the offense of Ball carrier
6: as I'm running up to the ball carrier I'm assessing how he is holding the football if it's here okay I'm gonna punch it from the side if it's here well then I can punch from come from up top and it's constantly moving like this so you kind of have to time it up to when you have to you know make your make your punch
3: well we're talking about that thinking process is a half a second maybe oh yeah a it's, second and a half. I mean it's super
6: quick I'm just waiting I think the best one of the best punches I've ever did was I think it was 2007. It was against the Detroit Lions at Soldier Field. Uh, Tell he came to the Bears. Kevin, Kevin Jones? Jones. Yeah, he's running, running, and it was a toss. And there's an offensive lineman. I jump out of the way and I wait, I wait, and then I punch, and then the ball came out. And it's just, I had a knack for knowing when to when to shoot my punch, you know. And I got lucky forty four times. Yeah. Woo. <laughs>
0: Right. I mean, it's an incredible
3: number. But but it's an incredible what? number. You guys, you know, Olin and Roberto, you guys got a lot of extra possessions, and you got possessions taken away from you. You got Devin's return for touchdowns that you go back to the bench, or else you got Charles out there after you come off a 10-play drive, and all of a sudden he gets you another return from you guys. So, you know, you had some possessions taken away by Devin, but you got a lot of extra ones from Peanut. Absolutely, man. That's that,
1: when you have guys like that, you want to get back on that football field and can, and try to score. You know, and then when you have an offensive line that can double team people, you have Thomas Jones, Cedric Benson, and then you have those guys. It's just like, man, let's go out and run power. Let's go out and run uh, weak ISO, and go out there and try to work with that defensive line.
0: Yeah, Lovey obviously preached takeaways. I mean, that, I mean, running the ball, taking the ball away. You guys delivered. It's one thing to say it. And OK, this is what I want you to do, but you guys did it. And you were great at it. Why? And did Devin's return ability maybe give all you guys this desire to, to take it and score? Because Vash, you, Mike Brown, defensive lineman, Erlacher, Briggs, you guys all
6: score. I think when you're a head coach, the greatest Compliment your players can give you is they want to play for you and I think Collectively defensively offensively, whole all 53 guys. We really wanted to play for coach Smith and Whatever he was preaching we were buying whatever he was selling. We were buying we believed it We believed in him. He was a great man great Christian man. He believed in us. He treated us like men I learned a lot from him, and I love him. Just, I mean, just he was—he was—he was a great guy. Still is a great guy.
2: I think for me, um, coming in my rookie year, um, Coach Levy—the first impression I got from him was he treated everybody like a man. He wasn't the coach that gonna say, "I'm checking curfew," I'm, "I'm checking to see what you gonna gonna He left it up to the, the captains, which was Olin Lack and those guys, say, "You guys here, you take control of this team." And that's what I love about it Like he. He wasn't the, the dominant freak. He allowed everybody to do their job. And when you have a coach like that, it, you don't you don't want to do nothing wrong for he him. He didn't
6: micromanage us. He let us be men. He let us do our job. And he trusted us.
2: The other thing about
5: him was he was the same every day. So we knew what we were getting every day. And, you know, people said show more emotion. Well, if he showed this emotion up or down, we felt it. You oh, know, man. we felt it in Halas Hall. But going into that workspace every day, you knew what the expectations were because he was – the consistent man every day and it made it easy for us oh, the idiot.
2: most i've
6: ever heard him yell i don't know what game it might have been like the arizona game and he said "Friggin', that was
2: we're freaking
6: we're getting we're freaking getting our butts kicked that was it but you know he, he had a that lot was of, it
3: he had a lot of good enforcers in the locker room That's between exactly right. Owen, between urlacher lance and the rest of the crew i mean he had guys that he knew that if there was you know there was jacking around going on right that you right. guys had the crew that would take care of it great
6: enforcers for baseball <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, olin so lovey <laughs> screams at me one time i did something at practice i can't share it here but he says olin jiminy christmas right so i mean I'm, I'm eating dinner at the at camp and the wife comes up and she's like i heard you got a jiminy christmas out of lovey and i go yeah she goes you know that's as far as he goes right <laughs>
0: Olin, oh, how, how critical was it in terms of aiding your head coach to have? There was no leadership void in that locker room. It was Olin Kruitz, it was Brian Erlacher, and you guys played off each other
4: beautifully. How important was that to that team? Well, that guy right there, uh, uh, Brian Erlacher now, he was a superstar, but he was the most humble superstar you've ever met. Yeah. And... Um, he, everybody was the same to him so when he acted like that when he worked hard every day when he treated everybody with respect when he demanded out of himself uh, what a rookie should be doing you had you just fell in line Like how, how could someone act like they were a superstar if Brian Erlacher wasn't acting like that in the locker room so I, we, we all followed that man's lead and, and uh, he led us but our locker room now we a, a team that that st- we had like 15 to 20 leaders on that team right? We, all these guys are leaders now like the team and if, if one guy fell out of line he was going to hear from like 30 different guys it was going to be a problem like that's not the way we do things around here you know so uh leadership in that locker room especially that year was very easy you know i i really appreciate brian because
3: i was reading about how he talked about how important your offensive line was to his development. And if you guys would have went out there and pussyfoot around in, the, in training camp when one's against one's and stuff, it would be different for him. But he got to appreciate your you guys because you were helping him develop into the player that he ultimately became.
1: No question about it. When you're facing that defense, how can you not get better, right? You're facing Peanut, Erlacher, that defensive line, Tommy Harris, Tank. Like, you're getting better. You're getting each other better. So when we get step on the football field, like, how can you not go out there and perform at that level because you're going against the top-rated defense, you're going against the best linebacker in football and doing it the right way, performing, like Olin said, uh, on defense, or like it was saying it, Olin on, on the offensive side. And there's guys out there doing their job each and every day. And that's what made that team special. And you talk about the way we were in the locker room. It, it made it fun because you go out there, and everybody did the same thing every single day and go out to put the work in to go out there and be great on Sundays.
0: One of the things you quickly learn covering sports for as long as I have and following teams, the personality that develops really in the off season, whether it's in the weight room, you hear about it or you see it yourself, is a, is a great team of characters. So we can talk all we want about the 63 team we just heard. We, you know, and we're going to meet more of those guys here in the coming hours. The 85 team this is a team of characters, too. This is a team of great personalities, the hijinks, the good times. You know, this is that's the part that really pushes a team into a different dimension. You gotta win, of course, but it is important. Like, welcome to Jamrock, everybody.
2: Better turn it on. We're gonna start flipping TVs and chairs. (laughs) Flipping speakers.
0: All right, tell us about this Damian Marley classic internally. I'm I'm gonna let Erwin
6: take this one because we just talked about this like an hour ago. It was like, you know, back when we actually had two a days,
4: camp was long, so you had to get somewhere to get. Everybody going and, and forget about how brutal it actually was to go out for the twenty-fifth practice roll and like Garza said it was hell going against this defense every day. We you know we, we couldn't do much against them. That's how good they were. But so we'd play jam rock in the locker room and there was a lot of weird dancing that would go on, a lot of locker room slamming, uh, maybe some coffee tossing, uh, laundry Baby baskets flying all over the place. Uh, there's videos of it, and it might come out nowadays that there's on social media. It'll be very embarrassing, but it was just a way that we, we would just go crazy, have fun, and it gets back on that field, and we go get it.
5: And, and poor T. Medlin, our uh, equipment <laughs> manager, he had to clean all this stuff up. And he, he hated it. He, he would have an idea when it was going to come, and he would start cleaning up the locker room, taking out the baby powder, <laughs> take out the coffee machine, you know, so we wouldn't wreck it all, but we'd always surprise them on the right day for locker us. locker room Wrong was day for
6: trashed. Everyone was beating on the locker with their helmets. We went out and had a great day of practice. The dolphin though. kick.
4: Yeah, it, it's hard to, like, wish they had a video of it because it's hard to explain what we were doing, but we were basically being a bunch of 10-year-olds in the locker room going crazy, but really just trying to have fun with it again, right? Because... Uh, uh, football can be a tough sport sometimes, hitting each other can be tough, you can get tired. So just trying to inject energy into the room, uh, enjoy each other and go and have fun. A precursor to Club Dub,
6: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you guys
4: could have done
0: Club we Dub. Were,
6: th- yeah, 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 yeah. We Jermock first, then Club Dub, yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Alright, let's enjoy the conversation about the NFC title game. Let's roll those highlights. Uh, I believe that every time you guys moved on and you retired, and we talked about, hey, what was your, your most memorable moments? It's this game. Tell us why. Start with Roberto.
1: I mean, to have the opportunity at Soldier Field to go out there and play to win the NFC Championship and to go to the Super Bowl, I mean, what other feeling do you want? Um, and the way we did it that game, you know, running the football up and down that field. Double team, we talked about that offensive line, we talked about that running game, um, and defense giving us a football. When you think about that year, how special that was, to get that feeling at Soldier Field in front of our fans, I mean, there's no greater moment in my career that I was able to to live than that day at home. The, The snow started coming down. I mean, it's just a special, special day.
0: Charles.
6: I remember it a little differently. I was so amped, so geeked my adrenaline was pumping and I was gassed by the second play of the game. I think I gave up like a 30, 40 yard pass and I was tired and I was like, oh my God, I'm not gonna make it. I'm so tired, I'm so tired. And the other thing I remember is uh, Reggie Bush waving bye bye yeah, to Lack to Lack as he was trying to run him down. Big mistake. Huge mistake and I think that pissed everybody off. And then next thing I remember, the snow was falling down I'm hugging Brian. I'm hugging everybody, Mrs. McCaskey. Brian, you know he's holding up the 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 NFC Championship trophy. I mean that that was that was great, and that was early in my career. It was it was awesome. Pat, in 1985,
5: I grew up in Marietta, Georgia. I became a Bears fan, and you know that's kind of the first time I understood what the Super Bowl meant, and to be able to be a Chicago Bear and know we're going to go back. In that fourth quarter, <laughs> yeah, I love that. And in that fourth quarter, we kind of knew we were going back. You know, you still got to finish the game, but you just got to truly, that's a Ten-year-old. I've old. never seen that.
0: Hey, uh, you're killing guards over here. I've never seen that. Hey, my kids are here. I don't want to see them acting like that. You guys can't act like that at home. There, yo. you've lost them. You've lost them right now. <laughs> All right, that right there, is That's, that not a shining moment? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Devin,
2: that day, tell us about it. It was, for me, it was a humble experience, you know, because just going into that game, you know, I kind of listened to some of the, the older guys and it was like, man, D has, you know, cherish this moment, you know, because. You know, we have guys that played 10, 12 years and never experienced this moment. And for you to, to be here your rookie year and to chair, you know, see everything that's going on right now and to be able to make it to the Super Bowl. And we knew when we played Seattle that if we beat them, the Saints, we knew was going to win that game. And that's the mentality we had going into this game that we knew once we got past Seattle, they weren't going to stop us. We was automatically going to the Super Bowl. Olin. Yeah, like, like you know, what
4: Hess said Seattle's game I think I forget sometimes too how hard of a game that was to win it was overtime uh, they were beating us late right and um, the defense of co- like holds on it comes up with stops and uh, Hess you know returning kicks and uh, Grossman hits Rasheed Davis late in overtime on a third and ten uh, it was a tough game to win and then we had Drew Brees you know uh, Marquise Colston Uh, Reggie Bush, Deuce McAllister, Sean Payton, and a lot of people didn't think, uh, uh, you know, we could beat them. And I remember trying to find a game of them on grass because most of their games the last part of the year were all on turf. And I watched them on grass, and I remember coming upstairs, and I told my wife, I said, get ready to go to the Super Bowl. They can't beat us in Soldier Field. They just can't, right? And and, um, luckily it came true, but... You know, that was 2006, I think it was me and Pat's ninth year already. It was our ninth year in the league, right around there. And, you know, we were a big part of Chicago. And all of a sudden, we're winning, and the snow starts coming down, right? And now I'm like, this is a movie, right? (laughs) And then uh, Mrs. McCassey's holding her dad's trophy in her hands, and it was just unbelievable. It was was a, a surreal scene to be a part of at Soldier Field. I know, Usually it was the same thing that happened in the 63 championship
0: game, snow started falling. Well, you know what, it's, it's, it's neat for us to see because um, to be able to have that
3: celebration at home in front of a sold out stadium and everybody staying in their seats to take part of the celebration. Because earlier in the 80s, you just went into the locker room. After the Super Bowl, both teams just escort, left the field and went into the locker room. There wasn't that, celebra- that lingering celebration that you could share with your teammates and share with all the people that have played an important role in you getting there, and then have them a chance to see you. And then, as you saw Olin wearing the hat, I mean, what better is that? To go into the locker room with 50 of your closest work hard, work you know your cohorts at work, and be able to celebrate that moment.
0: I remember being in the locker room after that game, and I was sitting with Thomas Jones. This guy is one of my favorite players on the football team. Thomas Jones is a man now, and we're trying to figure out, you know, how this is going to work, and you know, who, who you're playing, who's it going to be? It's going to be the Colts, and just seeing the awe on his face and how happy he was to be a part of this organization because his career was star-crossed until that time, and he
4: was like an offensive lineman too. You guys really, yeah, you know, Thomas was a huge part, a guy who doesn't. People know how good he was. I don't know if people know how big of a part of our locker room he was, how big of a leader he was in the huddle, how he demanded uh, he demanded professionalism from everybody. And he wanted to play hard, he wanted to win, and he always injected energy into everybody. And his, his personality and who he was was a real big part of our team and our offense. You know, I remember telling Thomas Jones once, and a few times I talked to him walking
3: down the hall after one of his games, I said, you know, Walter Payton would be proud of you. And you think about his contribution to that team, his dedication to be and prepared to be able to take and deliver the abuse of the game. And it's the same thing with Walter. And I, I, I find there's a lot of in common with those two guys that Walter would have been
0: proud of Thomas Jones and his efforts. Let's talk about some other guys, because again, there's great names on this team. So we'll try and tick them off as, as quickly as we can here. Uh,
3: Adewale
0: uh, what about him? <laughs> his importance on your defense.
6: Sorry. Sorry, Doza. doze off. No. No. I think Adewale Ogunleye, he he was great. I wish he was here. I saw him last night. Um his ability to to take the double teams and he played that sixth and nine technique fairly well during that time, during that season. We had got him from Miami in 05, if I'm not mistaken. And he fell in love with this team. It was like he had been drafted there. And he blended in with us. And he was, again, another another character, another big kid with us, and just a, a, a dominant player.
4: Rex Grossman. <laughs> you know, Rex, Rex was. He, he he wanted to win so bad and he wanted to be really good and he he had a lot of guts man he'd sling it but he wanted to sling it he wanted to go to the Super Bowl he led our huddle a lot of times if you really go back and look at those playoffs and that year he made a lot of big throws that got us into that Super Bowl and um, I, I, had a, I had a tremendous amount of respect for Rex uh, I thought that he had a great year. Uh, From 2005 going all the way through 2006 he was actually that year in 2006 he was the first time uh, in my career with the Bears we had a guy start all 16 games and and it was just good to have the same quarterback for the whole season get comfortable with one guy and he played at a pretty damn high level that year you touched on him but I think he was
0: another ideal fit for the personality and we all loved him Rube Reuben Brown. He was a special character, no doubt about that. Uh, but
1: you know, before he got here, he had one, gone to eight straight Pro Bowls in Buffalo, one of the greatest left guards to ever play the game. And the character side, he's just one of those guys that came to work every single day, man. It didn't matter what Reuben did the night before. Uh, he was going to step on that football field, and somebody was going to get double-teamed, day in and day out. Um, and when you have leaders like that that have been doing it for 10 years, Day in and day out, man, it's hard not to sit there and sit there in awe and, and follow that guy. But when he stepped on that football field and he started yelling, somebody's
6: about to go down. <laughs> I think the thing I remember most about Rube was we used to always break it down on Space Mountain. Space Mountain, because after you win a Super Bowl, what do you do? You go to Disneyland, right? So week one, game one, we go into the ship, this is the year. Space Mountain on three. One, two, three, Space Mountain. like. For me, game one, week one, I knew we were going to the Super Bowl. And that's Rue. He, well, he that's said the, the tone thing. early. He would always
5: say it. He would always just say it in the back of bus, too. We're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl. And the more you say it, you start believing it, and it started happening. And, and he was – going to the ship. <laughs> yeah, we're going to the ship. Yeah. He, was, he was a big part of it. I mean, he was a uh, – he would just say it every day. We're going to the Super Bowl. And as we kept winning and
3: doing what we were doing, obviously we did. Hey, Devin, you were kind of your own leader, because it's kind of unique. You're not playing with five offensive linemen. You're not playing with four DBs. And what you were able to accomplish, who, who was your influence either on the team, or it could have been somebody outside the doors of the Chicago Bears?
2: I would say for me, like I, my locker was across from old enough. And so, you know, me as a rookie, I just I, I paid attention to those guys. And I I was trying to figure out, how do I become a pro? Like, how do I fit in on the team? What's my part? What do I need to do to be on these guys' level? And I would sit and I would watch the old lineman and how Olin was just that leader where he didn't speak a lot. It was times where they would watch. Don't get mad at me, the offensive line. But they would sit there and watch Olin and see what he put on for practice and put on the exact same thing. Olin would go get spatted. They all would be right behind Olin getting spatted. It was just that type of leader, like where he didn't say much, but his presence speak for seven. So I would, I would bust my tail to try to live up to my 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 position that I played. I would want to make sure that when it was my time to be called, that I would step up and make plays. It was times where like we would win a game, and you know it'd be like one or two balls I wouldn't feel comfortably. So. That next morning, like on Mondays when we had a day off, I would be out there catching 40, 400, 500 balls, and I would see Olin would come and say, Hess, what the hell are you doing out here? Like, it, it was been a time where he said that, where I'd be like, man, listen, you just, in my mind, I just, I want to be like you guys. I want to fit in.
3: Well, I, I Tony Medlin might have told me a story. Did you, um, you know, when you're an offensive lineman, you like old gear, you like gear that's fitted to you, that you put a lot of time and break in. Now, I hear that you needed everything new
2: every game. Is that true? Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> Team man can tell you that. I had to have new cleats every game, and I had to wear them on Fast Friday. If they wasn't broken in, I wouldn't put them on. So you know, I was, everything was, I always felt you look good, you play good, you feel good. Everything had to fit right.
0: You know, in that, uh, in that win over the Saints, Ron Turner called eight straight runs to Thomas Jones. He got uh, 69 yards and the first touchdown of the game and a 16-0 lead. If that could have happened in the Super Bowl and more of a dedication to the run, I think many of us believe it could have been a different outcome. (laughs) Very possibly. The running game was cooking, was it not?
4: Is everybody leaving before we answer this question? <laughs> I'll answer it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we, we wanted to run the ball more, but, you know, that's only as far as I'm going with that statement. All, all offensive want
0: to run the ball more.
4: That's fair, but
0: two guys we didn't say much about yet either that had a major impact, obviously. Tommy Harris, <laughs> Big Mike Brown. Uh, I know it crushed them both. They couldn't play in that game. Uh, tell us about their impact on that team, and uh, certainly we all love both of those guys. Mike, Brown, big Mike I Brown,
6: I can't say enough about Mike B. Uh, he was like that 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 captain or that that second lieutenant. You know, Brown was you know Brown was the captain, and he called the defense close left, close left. And Mike Brown, you know, he'd be in the back, mm-mm, mm-mm, big time, big time, mm-mm, mm-mm. and he looked. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, sorry, hey, close right, close right. You know, Mike, Mike Brown was that, like, he was that good assistant who saw everything. He knew his place, he knew his role. You know, whenever Brian would make a mistake, Mike B was always right there to correct him. You know, and Tommy Harris, I mean, the way he came out, the way he hit the league, being a three technique, he was so fast. And that Tampa 2 defense that we had, it's built around the three technique. And in my opinion, I think that year before Tommy was hurt, he was, if not the best three technique in the league, he was so dominant, and he was fast, and he could run, you know. And I think it, we took a big blow on defense not having two of our Pro Bowlers not play in the Super Bowl. And I think I
4: think Mike B. I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that if Mike B. stays healthy his whole career, he's at the Hall of Fame ceremony, putting a jacket on with Brian Urlacher. That's how good Mike B was. And I, I, I'll argue with anybody. I honestly feel if those two guys are healthy, Tommy Harris, like Peanut says, is the best three technically. I think he had nine sacks before he gets hurt in that game, I think, against the Vikings. If we have those two guys, we are wearing rings today. those That's how good those two guys are.
2: And I want, I want to just piggyback a little bit off the Mike Brown and um, Tommy because I – my rookie I had the, the chance to experience, been in the meeting room with Mike. Um, I was a DB. And uh, I talked to Mike last night about this. And I told him, like, the passion that you have for this game was incredible. You know, Mike Brown, passion for the game, like, I believe he got hurt early in this midseason. And we were in the meeting, and we was joking around a little bit. And he stood up, and tears just went to flowing. And he went to talking about how we plan and we're not living up to our expectations. We can be so much better. And the way he explained it, and looking at his face and looking at the tears running out of his face, from that moment on, I said, This guy here loves the game of football. So smart at the game. Intelligent when it comes to football, and a great athlete. All right, we have to remember, uh, remember that. We got questions uh, from the fans. You can bring
0: those guys out before we do. Uh, the sting of that loss does it still live with you today that super bowl loss
6: i still haven't watched the whole game i've only seen my highlight of me stripping the ball and devin uh, running it back that's about all i know about that game i have still not watched the game to this day
4: (laughs) i i I think that's what stings you the most is like these guys deserve rings you know that hurts The, the city deserved the championship with that team that's how good that team was Brian Erlacher deserves a damn ring. Lovey Schmidt deserves a damn ring. I think that's you lose that game, and what really pisses me off is when Peanut Tillman walks in a room without a ring. Like that, that's what bugs me. Because he deserves Roberto Garza deserves a ring. Reuben Brown deserves a damn ring. That's how good a football players, that's how good that team was. But uh it, it in a word, and I, I won't use the word before it, it sucks. It really sucks not, not to lose that game. It stings all the time.
0: I'll never forget, Olin, uh, I, you may have forgotten this, but I was on the team playing with you, flying back. You came up to me, I was just staring out the window, and you said, don't worry, Joniak, we'll be back. And that's, that seems to be the time, I mean, you know, of uh, professional sports, if you don't get it, but boy, you got a taste of it, you think you're gonna be back, and it, it's, it's hard.
3: You enjoy the work getting there, and then once you get there, yeah, you think that it's gonna be attainable again. But it's the most difficult league in the world to try to repeat or get back to it and because there's so many interchangeable bodies, like you mentioned, the guys that you had injured at the time. If you have those guys healthy, there is no doubt that this, this is, everybody up here is wearing rings from that game and it's a sad event, but it also kind of molds your character. That's why every one of you guys are up here. You're not up here because you're losers, you're up here because you're leaders. And that's the great thing about the effects it
0: has on you. I got one better for you. That was the same thing. Wait. That was the
6: same thing that Brian said, though, you know as they're you know kneeling the ball, you know we're in the huddle and Brian goes, "Hey, take this in, you know that pain that it sucks that, hey, remember that because we're going to be back. Like it was just the, the character, the leadership of us, trying, he was trying to hold us, um, bring us together. You know it was just uh, it was t- terrible.
0: They are, they are leaders, but more importantly, they're bears. They're bears. All right, questions. Uh, this ought to this be good so it be good. Jog your memories quick, fellas. Javier from Chicago wants to know your favorite locker room story. So step up. we got about six and a half minutes. Alright, I'll, I'll just go with our, we used to play dodgeball
5: in the locker room. And it started uh, with Brian Urlacher, of course, being our leader. Went to Dick Sporting Goods or whatever and brought in six to eight you know, those little rubber dodgeballs and he lined up the uh, laundry bins across the the locker room, and he said, All right, defense on this side, offense on this side, we're playing dodgeball. And this is on a Saturday after a walkthrough when you're finally putting the, you know, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, everybody's got to get focused. And all of a sudden, we're playing dodgeball, and we're right next to the coach's locker room. And it is, like Olin said, 10 year olds playing around, and we're having a good time. I think we got a Jiminy Christmas out of Lovey Smith when he came in there. He <laughs> <It> wasn't happy. <laughs> so he calls us in, or calls a couple guys in, and says, Guys, we can't do that. You know, it's time to focus for the game. So we go out and win, I think, 41-10, or whatever game it was. But we go out and have a big win. So that next Saturday, we walk in the locker room. Everybody looks at Brian like, what are we doing? He's like, we're playing dodgeball. <laughs> so we play dodgeball the rest of the year, every Saturday. You
6: remember the soccer game we used to play? We used to, we, someone bought a soccer ball. We all thought we were soccer players, right? And um, somebody bought this soccer ball. and We used to try to get, see how many kicks we could, volleys or whatever, and we would count one. Two, and we'd go in a big circle. I think we got up to like 60 or something like that, the entire locker room from one end to the other. and We got 60, and the, we, once again, little kids destroyed the locker room. I think Olin got mad at me because I ran up to Clyde, and he had the checks. and I was like, we did it. He threw the checks. The checks went flying in the air. I was like, oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah, that was a good one. Anybody
0: else? That, that takes the cake. All right. Uh, which Bears alum were you looking forward to meeting this weekend the most? Jessica and Elmhurst would like to know. You guys have met a lot of these guys before, so. I'll tell
5: you, I, mine was Dick Buckus. I've never met him before. And I, last night I went total fanboy, went over there, introduced myself, and just wanted to shake his hand. You know, he's wearing his gold jacket, and that's one of the most iconic Bears, and we've got a lot of them, and that, that's, that's, that's the one I wanted to I wanted get to get a
6: picture with Dick Buckus, but I didn't. I, I was... I was the I was like, "Ah, should I get a picture? Should I not get a picture? Can I get a picture? Is he going to think it's weird? Should I be a fan? I don't ah, so I didn't. I got scared."
0: Well, t- Tom <laughs> the entire interview with with, uh, with Dick Butkus, he, he referred to him as Mr. Butkus, right. the entire interview. The, the first question I asked him
3: was, "Did you meet Sil- Sylvester Stallone before he made Rocky?" Because in you in that movie when the dog was named Butkus, I mean, I mean, what what spells out greatness better than being, na- you know, having a bulldog named after in that movie? And he says, "Yeah, he ran into him and asked him where his residuals were."
0: Well, how flattering is it when young guys come up to you? I mean, Devin, you get it all the time. Peanut, Olin, I'm I'm certain you guys do. Young guys coming up to
3: you and admiring you, your abilities and your accomplishments.
2: Oh, it's 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 an honor, you know. Um, like you say, we we at one point, one point of time was in their shoes you know and to see guys you know that to come up to me and say hey i was playing with you when you was on the video game when you played for the ncaa you know it makes you feel old you know but at the same time <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah guys and i was a fan of yours when i was in the fifth grade and they in the nfl now they're like you thinking about fifth day was in the fifth grade so how like you know it makes you feel old but at the same time it's it's a humbling spirit you know to have guys look up to you like my, my guy that I wanted to look for was uh, Jimmy Man, And I just wanted, because I only seen the wild side of him, you know? So when I seen him with his wife, I was like, you know, let me see, do he have that, that, that husband life? Because uh, I always see him as a party guy, you know? So when I see him with his wife hugging the kids, I say, OK, he do have a of side of life, you know? So I mean, for me, my guy was Jimmy Man, But for the kids, younger guys growing up, you know, it's an honor. You know, Devin,
3: I, I remember being in the film room once, and you were making a copy of your a high school all-star game you played in. Okay. You've always been surrounded by <clears throat> greatness and all-star players, and players that live up to. But you've always been one of the best, and it was interesting to see some of the names that you were pointing out that had great football accomplishments.
2: Uh, most definitely, you know, it, it's, it's um, you know, growing up in Florida, we it's not like Chicago. We we have football year-round, so you know, you get a lot of talent in that area, you know, and um guys I played with in high, in high school All-Star game, you know, 30, 40% of those guys made it to the NFL, you know, so and, and became great players in the NFL, pro bowlers and super bowlers and stuff like that. So, you know, for me to, to grow up in that type of environment, it's just like playing for the Bears in 2006. Like, you had to carry your weight. You know, you get left behind. All right. You're we got about a minute
0: to go here. So the 2019 Bears off of their playoff season, as guys who uh, were in similar position, 05, you go to 06, you go to the Super Bowl. What advice do you have for the 2019 Bears, and how do you feel about the direction under Matt Nagy? Many of you guys are analysts in the media now, and you've done it, you're a part of
4: it. What do you think? We'll start with Olin. They're, they're they're on the verge, right, of being very, very good. They're, they're close, and their defense is really, really good. And I guess the only advice you'd give a, a team like that is pay attention to the details because that's what wins and loses pay attention to the little things uh, pay attention to your locker room culture make sure everybody's always moving in the right direction and everything's always about winning and nothing else we just want to be here we want to win and, and make sure you're doing all the little things it takes to win because that's really what gets you to the Super Bowl
0: Roberto
1: I think, no question. I mean, we, when you look at what they're doing, showing up for work every single day, and Matt Nagy's saying that culture of uh, the right way is the only way, and I think that's what Owen is talking about—is showing up and doing the little things, the little details. You got a taste of it now. To get to get that big chunk, you got to go out there and do it and pay and pay the price. Hit the reset button.
6: Last year was last year. Don't think you're gonna go back just because of what you did last year. You got to redo that. And now you got a target on your back and everyone's gonna be coming for you.
5: You gotta remember how hard it is to win 12 games. You know, it seems like it's easy because you got some big wins in there, but remember how hard that was and then try to outwork it.
2: Devin, I would say, man, let the leaders be leaders. You have one or two two or three leaders on a team, Clear Mack, the quarterback, continue to lead the team. You know, you, you, you showed yourself how good you can be. You know, now let's, let's put it all together. Let's come together as a team and let's work hard. Let's work even harder during the off season, So when the season comes, we can roll it in there fast. It's hard for teams to, to lose two or three games in the early season because then you get down on yourself. Start off fast. Start, off, start putting points on the board. Start setting teams out early. And it only comes a habit. Later on in the season, I say, and that's my biggest goal to, to let those guys know, to start fast. That way it becomes, create a habit, create a good vibe in that locker room. Later on in the season, it'll become second nature to them.
0: Great advice across the board. All right, we're out of time. Roberto Garza, Charles Peanut Tillman, Pat Manley, David Esther, and Odin Kroets. Thank you, guys.